Uh, thank you for the invitation, Pastor Brian and Lori and all of you. It's good to be down here. Yeah, indeed, I, I did spend a good chunk of my life in this valley, and every time I come, I look around at all the hills, and I think of all the hikes that we did as a family back in the day, um, Applegate Lake, and even we're looking out at Roxanne Butte this morning, just the little, little memories. So thank you for inviting me down. Uh, this morning, I want to, in honor of Dr. Knight, I want to just take some history of the last two years at Big Lake and share it with you. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to start with just this biblical narrative that starts. I remember the, the story of Moses when he was called up onto the mountain, and he goes up to meet God. And I just, I just think, just say that phrase over in your, <laughs> in your mind. I'm going up on this mountain to meet God. It's a little part of my schedule today. And I'm just going to meet God. And Moses goes up and he meets God. But the way he does it is he gets put into a, the old word is cleft of the rock, a cave. And then the story goes something like this. God puts his hand over the entrance to the cave. And then God passes by. Now just think about that for a second. That's a big hand. Let's just start there. This is your meeting with God as you go into a cave. God goes on the outside and he puts his hand on the entrance. And after God has passed by, it says, Moses comes out and here it is. He sees where God has been. And then he goes down the mountain from that experience and it's so powerful that he wears a veil over his face because people can't even be in his presence because it's so overwhelming. So I'm going to take a moment and try to dig in to where I have seen God pass by. We as a community have seen God pass by. Of course, my, my field is, is Big Lake and youth. And, and this morning... I want to take you back to a couple years when we were going into the summer of 2019. I received a letter from an engineering firm that was doing some work for us, in which they said this lodge that you use should not be used anymore. Now, what do you do with a letter like that? You send it to the president, is what you do. And so that's what I did, and I sent it to risk management, and I said, I, I'm not going to be holding this, this bag. I said, uh, here's, here's the word. What do you want me to do? Well, there weren't a lot of clear answers at that point from them, and I, in the meantime, I received a second letter from a second opinion saying, yes, indeed, this lodge does not stand up to the environment that Big Lake is in. The reason I'd have that commission was because we had insurance claim. We had some damage done to the roof from a snow event. And long story short, we had to figure out how to fix the damage done. But here's the caveat. To fix the lodge 
bring it up to code would cost more and would not be nearly as useful as to rebuild the entire thing. Okay, how is a summer camp director, how is a summer camp, let's just start there, in an alpine environment like Big Lake, when you have a very short building season, how are you ever going to accomplish rebuilding a lodge without shutting down camp? Like, that's the simple premise. That's what you're going to have to do. We serve a 1,000 meals a day. Let's just start there in that building. You know, do you bring a tent in and try to do food service in the parking lot? These are the questions that spun in my head as we went into 2020. And the talk of COVID and all that stuff started swirling around, and all of a sudden, it all came together that for the first time in 60 years, we were going to be shut down for the summer, and we had work to do. And while everybody was mad about all the different mandates and all the rest of the stuff that was going on, I just said, praise God, we have work to do. And, and we have, <laughs> you know, that, that story where, you know, he's out building the wall, and they say, come off the wall and have a meal with us. He says, I have work to do. I can't get into those discussions with you. That's kind of what I felt like in that moment of like, we have a building to rebuild. The question is, how on earth do we do it? So let me, let me take you through a few of the challenges that we had, and, and I'm going to just push you right through this whole last two years and tell some stories that I think are witness to God passing by. The vision we have at Big Lake is that people will experience a love so compelling they'll spend the rest of their lives pursuing its source. Whether it's a camper, whether it's a staff member, whether it's a guest, whether it's a Pacific Crest Trail hiker, that they'll experience a love so compelling that they'll spend the rest of their lives pursuing its source. So the, the first objective we have is we're trying to reach out to this community that we're trying to just demonstrate love is now to turn and say, hey, are you with us? Is this, is this what we as a community want to do? Are, are we wanting to rebuild? Is this ministry the ministry of choice for this moment? The cost of a new lodge, about $3 million. And who knows what this pandemic thing is going to be like at this point, right? Uh, some people that I talked with said, this is the most crazy idea you should never move forward with this. I was just back at a conference and a union youth director from another union said, she said, Gless, when I heard that you guys were going to rebuild the lodge at Big Lake, I thought that was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. And then he said, but it happened. There were some people, even in this church here, that I reached out to that encouraged me, personally, to say move forward, step out in faith. And let's just see where God goes. So what we, where, where we started was we reached out and we said, all right, for us to move forward with a building project of this nature, we have to get an amount of money that's going to allow us to get the loan so we can hire and pay for a contractor. In the first about month, month and a half, of reaching out to you, there was a million dollars pledged towards the lodge. This is opening of COVID, right? All the insecurity, all of that. 
and a million dollars was pledged. That was huge, an absolute miracle of prayer, uh, answer, answer to prayer. But the, the challenge on top of that was that not only was there this money issue, but there was also just the practicality of getting a building of this nature demolished and started over and completed by the following year. So there's this thing called an archaeology study. How many of you are builders in this room? Let's start there. How many of you have done some work with archaeology? Yeah, it's, it's just that it usually takes a while. It's very historical. So uh, we work with two government agencies on a project like this. First of all, we work with the U.S. Forest Service. We're on Forest Service land. And so we start by reaching out to our district ranger. Over the past six years, the district ranger has become a very strong ally of Big Lake. We are so grateful for the ranger and the team that we work with in the McKinsey River Ranger District. He said to me, when I laid out this, this idea of rebuilding the lodge and the necessity for it, he said, we're 100% before, for it, we'll support you the best we can, and there's this big caveat. Your lodge has just become old enough to have to have a full historical review. So I'm going to get the archaeologist on the phone, and we're going to talk it through and see what you need to do. But I'm just going to tell you this, Les, I don't think you're going to be able to get this done. Usually it's about six months to a year just for this review. I said, well, what's, what's the shortest amount of time it can be done in? He said, well, and the archaeologist spoke up. He's like, when they receive the documentation, the minimum is 30 days. I said, all right, we can do 30 days. And so with that, we commissioned a, a firm. They began work. Partway through, they said, this is too much, too fast. We're all working from home. We can't get this done. We let them go. We hired another firm. Clock is ticking. Many thanks to Randy Hill for helping out with this project. And we got to the point where we had about 30 days until the excavator needed to be on site taking down the lodge. And this report had to be in, and we're banking on 30 days, not six months. We got everything turned in, sent off to the Forest Service. Chain of command is we work with them. They work with the state, what is it, state? It's called SHPO is what it's called. It's a federal agency itself, not state, even though it has that in its name. And so you're working with two federal agencies on making sure there's nothing historical to deem your land a historic site. 25 days passed from when the Forest Service says they've turned in this report until I'm sitting on a tractor at Big Lake, nervously checking my phone for any update on what's going on and having this growing feeling in my heart that something's not right. We have, next week, a team of excavators scheduled to show up at camp. We don't have any time to spare. The builder has made that very clear, that this is already the tightest building schedule he's ever worked on. And I'm thinking, I wonder if all is well. I wonder if I can reach out. I wonder if I can just jump through that, over that chain of command and reach out directly to state historical 
I had the name of the guy because there was one email where his name was written in, in there in one of the CC attachments. I had his, his name, no phone number, but I thought, I wonder if I look him up online, if by chance he has a phone number. And so that's what I did. I looked up the website for Shippo, and uh, sure enough, I found his name, and I found a phone number there. And so out of the blue, I called this guy, and wouldn't you know it, he picked up the phone. I said, hey, uh, my name's Les. I'm the camp director for Big Lake Youth Camp, and I'm calling because, you know, we have this huge building project, and I'm feeling nervous because we have a whole crew. We have excavators scheduled. I mean, this is money, right? And if, if we're not ready to build, I need to pull the plug sooner rather than later. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all about your project. <laughs> and then he said, I'm just waiting for the information to come over from Forest Service. I said, you didn't get that 25 days ago? <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm just, no. He said, no, I haven't received it, so we're ready to go as soon as we get it. And now I think, now I have jumped over chain of command. I'm going to go to the Forest Service and tell them they didn't do their job. And this works really well because we have a great relationship with Forest Service. So I very carefully, sitting there on my tractor in the ball field of Big Lake, typed up an email. I called. No one answered. Typed up an email. And I CC the district ranger. Because I've learned that when you CC the boss, things happen more quickly. And within a half hour, there was a lot of action. The archaeologist that was contracted by the Forest Service had reached out to state and had found that they had indeed submitted, but it had not landed in the right place, as things happened to do. And now it was found, and Shippo was in process. And we had five days until excavators were coming. Long story short, they processed our whole thing in two days. And the next week, well, the next week, this is what started taking place. This building started going down. Uh, this was July 2020. And to say this was a bittersweet day was, would, would just be an understatement because as you watch all the history of the Lodge, all the stories, how many of you have been a camper at Big Lake, right? I mean, how many of you remember when this, built, this Lodge was built? Anybody? All right. We thought this would take quite a while, but in a few short hours, the whole building was taken apart piece by piece. One thing of note, you'll notice the insulation there. That, that wing is the only part of the lodge that had any insulation at all. The rest was snow in the winter. By the end of that day, it was just a pile. And pretty soon, the process of sorting and getting rid of, recycling all the debris... Finally, all the concrete was lifted up 
It was a big field of dirt. In the middle of this, this time, when I was sitting on my front porch, and a, a three, I think it was three young women got off their stand-up paddle boards and started walking up the dock toward our house. Um, obviously, there's nothing else going on except for a massive construction project. And these women walked up, and uh, there was a 16-year-old girl who was one of them, and she said, uh, hey, I'm I'm looking for someone here that can do a baptism. I said, wow, tell me me your story. She said, well, a couple years ago, our family was here. We were camping across the lake, and we had a major accident. There were three, basically her mom and aunties were out on this tube, and the tube had gotten too close to the shore, and it hit the rocks. And they had tumbled across the rocks and back into the lake. Very broken. Spinal, everything. We had been the place to launch the rescue, to receive the rescue, and had hosted the ambulances and ultimately a helicopter and had transported these three women. And this was one of the women in the accident and her niece, who was wanting to be baptized, and her, her friend or sister, I don't know who the other girl was. She said, I was a camper here at Big Lake, the girl said. And I gave my heart to Jesus that same summer, and I'm back because I want to be baptized. I, I, I was just struck with the metaphor of what was going on because just like what we were doing on a construction site, here was this young girl bringing, summoning her family back to a place of brokenness just like COVID did for all of us. And her story, well, it was it was one of redemption. And I, in the water as, as we were there, this family sitting on their paddle boards. I looked at her and I said, you know, you're, you're redeeming the story of this place for your family. This, this place of brokenness, this place of pain, this place where nobody wanted to come back because of the, the trauma of what had happened. You said, come back, because I'm going to rewrite the story. I'm going to, maybe it's add a new chapter of beauty and the metaphor lemons to lemonade kind of took hold that this is what we were doing with the lodge at Big Lake in the midst in the in the teeth of a very very challenging time we were called as a community to tell a beautiful story to write a new chapter we celebrate with this young woman her family through many, many tears, as you can imagine, not only celebrating her, but dealing with the trauma of their own stories. A few days later, this gentleman came, and I had the privilege of of handing the plaque. Uh, The original lodge was was donated in part by Hilma Habkost, and, and this woman had given a whole lot of money to make this project happen. And there I gave the tour of her family, to her family, of 
the lodge, what it was, and where it was going. Um, talk about a, a unique moment to hand the plaque of a building that no longer exists back to the family. But then to say, there are tens of thousands of young men and women all over the world that are leading because of your family. They've, they've changed the world in, in every corner of it because of the experiences they've had at this place. Right, Brett Wilson? July comes along, end of July, the first load of gravel comes in, and off we go. Now it's the race to get everything built up, get the walls put on, get the building dried in, because winter's coming, and when winter comes at Big Lake, it comes. A building that's not ready for winter at Big Lake will not stand. It will be demolished. We have to have this thing dried in, weatherized, or there'll be a lot of loss for sure. And so this team got to work. Within days, we had a pad laid, we had walls going up, and then this, this crazy thing happened. You remember this because this was your story in a massive way. Fires broke out that fall. Remember this? How could you forget? Rogue Valley. Well, it happened all across the state, and we had them in our house. We were evacuated in, in, from the Estacada fires. Big Lake had to get shut down because the fires in both valleys, going down to Eugene and going down to Salem, burned up Detroit Lake, all those towns completely destroyed, and the building project was shut down. But the urgency of the moment at that point was helping people, right? And so I went back to, to Gladstone. Uh, we, we were tasked with helping hundreds of families that had come out of the Estacada fire, evacuated, and host them at Gladstone. One of the proudest moments of my life as an Adventist pastor was serving the hundreds of RVs filling Gladstone Park of the community that found sanctuary in our conference. People from every background and to a person, the gratitude of having a place to be. We got to the end of, of that, uh, that time. It was several weeks long. I was in charge of all the pastors and the social workers that were helping care for the people. And got to the end, and, and this, this group from Taiwan showed up, and they said, hey, we're here to help. We're from this foundation called the Zhu Chi Foundation. We're wondering if we can help give some money away to people. Well, we were finished up there. We'd been giving away a lot of money to people, and it, would been, it had been incredible. But we were done there. I said, you know, there are these two valleys and we call these the forgotten cities of Oregon. These valleys are filled with little towns that lost everything. Their homes, everything. Their livelihoods. I said, if, you're, if you have some money to give away, can I, can I connect you with some people in those valleys? And they said, yes, yes, yes. And so, so I reached out to the Forest Service and I said, hey, we have this organization. I don't know much about them, but they say they have money to give out do you have some people that we could go give some money away to? They wanted to reach out to first responders specifically, and so Forest Service and, and firefighters. So soon, the, the Forest Service had it all worked out, and uh, I said, this is so exciting. Thank you for doing this to the reps from Zushi. And they said to me, no, no. We want you to go give the money away. And I said, I said, but who am I? I'm not. Who am I? They said, this is your community. These are your people. 
I said, I'd be honored to go. And so I drove up to Blue River and sit, uh, stood in the firehouse, one of the two, the other one had burned down, and helped give away money to these people. And check this out. The fire chief, Chief Rainbow, was her name. She says, you're from Big Lake. I said, yeah. She's like, oh. I was the fire lead on, on the uh, fire crew that saved Big Lake a few years ago. <laughs> and I said, of course you are, you know? Like, <laughs> that's just how this works. You know, you think you're doing really good to someone and they just turn right back and say, we've already saved your life. <laughs> and isn't that the beauty of, of love? During the fires, as we were closed down at Big Lake, I called the ranger. I said, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's going on? What's the story here? And the district ranger was just leaving from marshalling his crew at the largest fire he'd ever had in his forest. And on his personal cell phone, he, he calls me back, actually. He calls me back and he says, Les, your, your forest is shut down right now on your side, but I want you to know this. I've put the softest shutdown I can on your edge of the forest because, this, these are his words, because getting the lodge built at Big Lake Youth Camp is a priority of the forest. And I said, I said, that's incredibly generous of you. You're literally driving away from the largest forest fire you've ever fought in your district, and you're telling me that this is a priority? I mean, like, villages and towns and cities have been burned, and you're, you're thinking of us? Like, how incredibly generous but that's indeed what he did. He, he kept watching, and his, instead of us being shut down until the rains came in November, we were shut down until the humidity got to the right point, and we were able to get back to building within a few weeks. And so off we went. Off they went. I just watched all this stuff. First stresses went up in October. No pressure. November's just you know, weeks away, and here it goes, starting to take shape. Snows came early, November, the roof was not all the way on, paper was on, and so they shoveled off the snow and got the metal down. You can see even in this picture there aren't doors on the front, but from now on everything was cat-based, and so everything would be snow-cat driven in, staged inside, and one by one, bats were put up, different stages were completed, and the lodge continued to move forward. June of 2021, we were ready to open camp again. Now, the lodge wasn't quite done, we didn't quite have occupancy, but we were ready to open camp. <laughs> so, there was a schedule of the inspector to give occupancy coming up to camp to final everything and to say you can indeed occupy this building. And as the story would end with this building project, almost like it had started with, there was a half hour to spare between the final touches that 
the construction company had to finish up and when the inspector showed up. One half hour. And they finished and the inspection came back positive. We opened camp, had a phenomenal summer last, last year, right Stephanie? There's, there's where Stephanie spent a lot of time providing the best food ever. World-class new kitchen, a bakery that bakes 50 loaves of bread at a time. A Steph lounge that's twice as big as the old one. And much, just much nicer. And then my favorite part is this beautiful balcony off the back overlooking the lake. Ladies and gentlemen, as, as we started the summer, our crew began to work on the front of the, the lodge and paint the theme for camp. And, and what they're painting right there on that big old black board is a tree and a red sun, paying honor to the, the many people in our community that lost their homes in the fire, that blood red sun from the smoke. But underneath that tree, the word resilient. Resilient. Lemons to lemonade. A beauty from ashes. I believe we've seen God pass by. And as I looked at this project as just one of many, many stories over the course of the summer, I believe that God impressed upon hundreds and thousands of people many of you, to play the parts that we were given. It was amazing to watch campers and staff send $5 in as donations for the lodge. And by the end of Christmas time this past year, we just hit $2 million raised towards the lodge. During COVID. And I just say, praise God. And thank you for your support of Big Lake and youth ministry. Uh, we have one million to go. But I know that God has got this. Because God has got us. This winter, suddenly, this lodge just becomes its own beautiful piece of art. I don't know how that looks up there, but, oh, it's just gorgeous. And every time at night, walking by, I just stop and just kind of in holy ground say thank you Jesus thank you for a community thank you for a community that believes in kids believes in training young leaders that do indeed change the world and believes in a love so compelling that people will spend the rest of their lives pursuing its source I'm going to end with one quick last story here because last summer ended with a, a fire not too far from camp. We had to get shut down. It was kind of like, oh, no. Nothing harmed us, but they had to shut it down because we were too close. But I want to just tell you one more fun little story. 2017, I think it was, I was at my cabin and a knock, actually a radio call came in and said there are two Marines that are here to come down and talk to you. Now, that's not a camp director's typical call, 
And so what do you, what do you say to that? Well, send them down. Send the Marines down. That's, that's totally normal. Two Marines showed up my front door, and they said, um, hey, we're here wondering if we could uh, bring our crew in and have a little barbecue here at Big Lake. We've been working on a project for the Forest Service down the road, and we're wondering if we could just have a barbecue here. You know, you think, well, <laughs> we like to say yes. That's what we try to do. How do we find a way to say yes? But how, you know, you have a camp full of 220 kids and 120 staff, and uh, where do you put another 80 Marines? Well, we were, we had a little gap in our schedule that weekend. I said, Sunday morning, come on in, have a barbecue. You guys provide your own lifeguards, because if, if you can't do that, we're all in trouble. And they showed up, and sure enough, they had their barbecue and went swimming and all the rest and had a great time. On their way out, a couple of the Marines uh, came over and they said, you know, we noticed that your ramps going down to your boat ramps, one of them could be re-welded. We have a team of welders that are done. Would you like us to, to fix that up for you or, or build you a new one? These are 15-foot steel ramps. And I looked at the guy and I said, well, um, can you do that for us? And they said, well, who owns the land here? I said, well, it's Forest Service land. And they said, well, you're government. And I said, yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. And so, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the government, thank you for paying your taxes. Um, the Marines spent that week with their $150,000 welding unit uh, welding us a new ramp down to our dock. And you ready for this? That was just the first step. The next year they came back with 80 Marines and spent two weeks building at Big Lake. And last summer, after all the staff went home, they were able to sneak out for five days and come back up and knock out another $100,000 worth of projects. And they give us a plaque every time saying, thank you for letting us train. This is so critical for our team. And I said, hey, happy to sacrifice. <laughs> so I want to end with a few pictures here just to show. This is this last year. They showed up. It was snowing. It's like a full-on winter ops or something. And they're drilling the, the team. If you can pick out the one person that doesn't really belong, that would be, that would be me. Um, this is not the whole group, but this is the, the, about two-thirds of them. They built a new wall around our PCT center. We host about 1,000 hikers a summer, all as a way to give back to the community for free. Um, they built gravel roads, replaced boards on our buildings. They built a new blob tower for us. And this is what they did. Their first major project is they built this, what is it, 50, 60 foot long retaining wall. All it cost, we bought the materials. I, I, how, how is it that, that that happened? Like, how is it that the U.S. Marine Corps of Engineers is showing up at an Adventist summer camp and putting in, I mean, when you think of all these projects put together, probably a half a million dollars worth of projects. And I just start, I, st I end where we started. I think we've seen God pass by. 
I think God is doing things that are so far beyond, and, and I guess the word that I, I, I would leave you with today is alignment. My prayer is to live in alignment with the Spirit of God. Because God is always moving. I think alignment is us saying, God, help me to see that greater are those that are with us than those that are against us. Help us to see what you've already set in motion. Help us to see that, that God, you've got this. And we can get distracted about all this stuff, all the political rancor that's going on, or we can get about caring for our neighbors and loving people, whether they're the people that are burned out or the people that are left out or the people that are just left behind. That's where we're called to be. And this summer, I'm excited to say we're on track for the largest start of Big Lake in camper signups that we've ever seen. I'm excited to see incredible staff coming together already. I'm excited to see a new front that we're having in, in working with the Warm Springs Native community and bringing kids from that community up to Big Lake. I'm excited to see refugees coming to Big Lake in the last few years, kids that have never been able to just be kids, coming to camp for the first time and meeting Jesus. I want to thank you for your prayers and your support. It means the world to us. Thank you so much for believing in the mission of our kids. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you. Thank you that you, ah, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you've got plans far beyond anything we could come up with. But more than anything, I, I thank you that you are this force of love that wakes us up empowers us to have life. And may we live in that love, just as was mentioned in song service this morning, in everything we do, and recognize that there is no good theology except love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.